Okay, here we go. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit the intro thing here now. Ready? Roger. This is the intro song playing. Yeah, I think it's pulling the wrong one. Well, the intro, you know. I'm just, okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit uh, left in the. Okay, don't hold it quite so tight. Hey. what? Welcome to the podcast. This is how it's going to start. Today on Live to Tape, my extra special guest is a man who goes by the name of Shane Moss. Here, live through video streaming on demand. 100% uplink contained. We are bouncing off seven satellites going Whoa. into a spherical orbit. We're oh. here in the same place at the same time, even though technically it's not possible because the way time works is we'll never fully understand it. But here he is, <laughs> the man, the myth, Mr. Rogers' own third son. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Uh, Hey, I first (laughs) off, when did you start doing the seven satellites? Did you? Because last I talked, you were, because you started off like a little, because you were doing four for a while, right? And then Mm -hmm. you tried to jump to eight and then you must have pulled back. Well, it turns out we've been doing seven all along. It's just our, our tech guy just didn't know what he was talking about because he's actually Portuguese. So the uh, word for I would it was lost in translation, but technically we've right. always been doing seven satellites. So I guess mm-hmm. one satellite doesn't work because you just don't get that global reach. Ah, uh, okay. yeah, so it just wouldn't be possible. I, I'm learning so much in this quarantine. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't know the first thing about how many satellites you needed to do something like this a few months ago. And now. Mm-hmm. Now you do. No, I mean, here we are. No. Here we are in the in the learning cube. That's what they call this now, the learning cube. <laughs> That's what step school is. The learning cube. Why don't you step this, into the learning cube, Tyler? <laughs> this is, what, I I like that your listener. Th- this is like when uh, uh you, you know like bars or restaurants or whatever like call themselves like father's office or whatever. Father's so you can office, be like, yeah. well, I was at the office all day, and and now people listening to our nonsense can can be like, well, I was in the learning cube all day oh. long, getting well, an just- education. I was laughing in the learning cube. No big deal. <laughs> what are you listening to? Oh, it's the learning cube. It's not that it's kind of dumb, but you know, you gotta do something. <laughs> you gotta do something. Do you? You gotta do something. <laughs> I learned about uh coppicing last night. You know what coppicing is? No. It's like this ancient art of uh not art really art, but practice of cutting trees in a way that allows them to be harb allows them to regrow fast. Mm-hmm. Like you cut off the top of a tree and all these little shoots come up. Mm-hmm. I guess they've been doing it for like, you know, a thousand years so they can uh, grow enough firewood and just different uses like to make poles. The big thing coppicing is for is making poles. Ah. Like, you know, back when poles were, you know, needed poles a lot. Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> there's a, there's a pole, <laughs> there's a pole shortage. 
Yeah, people, the demand for uh, poles has just gone down significantly since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, there's someone hoarding poles away, though, just sitting yeah. on them for when, when people need poles again. Uh, that's interesting. That That's that's the thing. When I was touring around with um, my head talks show, the person joining me that talks about ayahuasca and sustainability, that's the thing with the ayahuasca vine. It's like very plentiful there and you can just right. like harvest it correctly and it just keeps on growing and and you have like an unlimited supply until like Westerners come down and are just like, yeah, we'll just chop all this off and take that and see ya. And oh, so you're not cutting it right. They're cutting it like yeah, they're not too cutting aggressively. It correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and bought that, a uh, a vine. But well, keep going though. About oh, you got about you got vines? Vine talk in the learning queue. Yeah. I bought a uh what's it called? The uh the purple thing, but I got a white version of it. Uh wisteria. I bought a wisteria vine hmm. at this garden store I go to that's run by this Hawaiian family. And one of the guys who works there is like sort of like the only the oldest brother. I'm almost certain he's like got that genius level IQ just by the way he talks and how surly he is, you know. And, um, <laughs> you feel like a real surliness comes along with the high I think, IQ. I think it does. Honestly, yeah, I feel yeah. like all the really 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 smart people I've met, people were just like, just you know, they have sort of like this surliness. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of just kind of indiscriminate surliness. There's also a bit of um. Yeah. There's also something about the eyes a lot of times where they look like they like the lights always too bright. I mean, people are always kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. That? There's, there's that. There's that guy. What's that guy that's like he has the highest IQ in the world, but he's just like lives oh, on a, a ranch fucking... and like yeah. is just like kind of a dick and like hasn't actually ever really done much of anything to like contribute to society or anything. He's just crazy smart. And like a little upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that. Does he have the eye thing? Does he have sort of like the? I think so. Now that I, now that I think about it. You know who also has that is like uh, you ever seen that documentary about Cr about Crumb, about our Crumb the uh, the. Oh man, I was. I think I watched that on VHS. Oh my god, I think I might have actually done that as well. I should rewatch it now. Um, do you remember his oldest brother? Who would just sit and he would live with his mom, and all he would do all day was read Victorian literature. Like his walls were stacked with books. He was, you know, hyper intelligent, but he had that same kind of like, kind of, kind of like this, like just sort of leaning forward and just, I mean, he killed himself a few years ago. So, which uh, seems to be sort of the fate of a lot of people like that. Yeah. It's like, I, I think like, I, I used to have a joke about that of, of just, um, of what was the it was something about like relating to the idea of of uh you know those like math geniuses that are like mm -hmm. 13 14 years old and like solve all these things and one day they're just like they just kill themselves just like i, I always think like oh i guess they figured it out <laughs> oh my god that's so bleak like they solved they figured it, it out <laughs> Oh. okay well know what to do now <laughs> oh yeah i guess there's two ways of looking at it. there's nothing nothing left to do or they saw something where like oh shit okay uh, yeah like, i uh it crossed over like marshall applewhite in his, his game <laughs> well what's marsh i i'm not familiar uh, with the reference the heaven's gate call i think it's marshall applewhite 
Um, the, you know the guy, the Heaven's Gate cult, the guys who all wore the black Nikes and had the, the triangular black yeah. hoods on. They all killed themselves because of the, the Kool-Aid. Comet. Yeah, the Comet. Well, I think the Kool-Aid is Jim Jones. Oh, the... you're right. The Kool-Aid yeah. is Jim Jones. I mean, that's... Heaven's Gate was kind of recent. Actually, it was like 10, 20 years ago, maybe. Like when the leaders kill themselves too, though, like I can kind of, at least they genuinely believed it themselves. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not sure if he did, though. I, I don't want to like misspeak on this, but um, the one guy with the Nikes, I think yeah, he was, killed himself. Yeah, Marshall Applewhite. Yeah. God. Yeah. That's like it's such a strange combo. We all need Nikes and suicide. Yeah, I think someone. Um, there's some controversy about them re-releasing those Nikes again. They're really hard to get. They stopped making them. Oh, that and is, like, that is controversial. If you can get, <laughs> you can get a, your hands on those Nikes, man. That's a stance. Like uh, yeah. Nike made a bold move with the Kaepernick stuff. Like a lot of people question that. I don't know if you remember people like cutting the Nike swoosh off oh, of God. their socks or whatever, like poorly. And, like I, I hate to like, you know, that's the thing with the news is you get to be like, you find one dope in the world and like, look at this idiot cutting apart his Nike socks. And like, that's right. clearly not like a real representation of the more like nuanced thoughts and conversations the average person is having, but boy, is it a lot of fun. Yeah. It is pretty crazy how they are able to do that, to find people so they can put out a message that basically maligns or promotes a whole group of people without their consent. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's, let's talk about some, uh, Stop talking about you, man. Yeah, let's get fucking personal. You have a beard right now. It's crazy. I haven't seen you like this ever, have I? Uh, this has never happened. Um, wow, this is, it's very this appropriate. Is, this is the longest it's all ever been. When quarantine mm-hmm. started, I started I started doing these like silly um, videos with a filmmaker friend of mine. I called Quarantine Couple. And the premise of the show is that like I was on a Postmates thing. And then like shit, like a pandemic, like there's news updates and everyone just had to be quarantined in place. And so like for the role, I'm supposed to be like in her house, but so I can't have access to any, any of my things. And so I'm supposed to be like growing a beard beard and stuff and for a couple other things too. And then I was like, and then I, what better time if I'm ever going to grow a beard this is this is the time, the time to do it. Yeah, there's something about. Uh, I remember my friend in Japan. He worked in Japan for years, and you're allowed to have a mustache, but you're not allowed to grow a mustache. So the only time you can have a mustache, if you want a mustache or a beard, is you have to go on vacation, grow it, then and you can come back because yeah. you're not allowed to work in this office. In the, <laughs> the process of growing it, it's not allowed to be there. <laughs> I love that rule, yeah. kind of. It makes sense. It's I wasn't like... sure I was going to be able to do it because I have this. I don't know if you can see this little patchiness yeah, in here. It covered up nice, but I didn't. I didn't know I'd be able to go as long as my hair's ever been. It's uh, yeah. It's a. It's a interesting. I was also like, I've been. You know, there's no live uh, before all this. I was already thinking about 
trying to, and I had like for years, I've been like on my podcast, putting out feelers of like, what would this look like if I went around doing outdoor shows because mm -hmm. I have like ties in the psychedelic community and stuff. Right. And they're always doing these like great, like mini burning man things and whatnot. And like, how could I set myself up to be doing more of that? And, um, and then the quarantine was just like, boy, this would be a good time to like be equipped to do outdoor things. And then I have a science podcast, but I'm not a scientist. I'm a little more of a philosopher, I guess. I feel so awkward saying that. I don't think that I am a philosopher. And then I I'm think like, that's good though. If the fact that you're not saying it readily, yeah, it's a good, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, and, and then, and then people are like, people call themselves like, thought leaders or like really? all these labels that they have some people call uh, are like well i always hate when everyone's like i'm a provocateur oh, like <laughs> like i'm gonna get on i push buttons <laughs> i say the things that people don't want to hear you, you don't want to hear it you go know back in word? your cave <laughs> oh you can't handle the truth well maybe you shouldn't have watched this movie <laughs> and I just like, and then I just like, I, I was just like thinking about like trying to avoid all every like label that so, and then I don't know, the beard started growing and then I was like, I don't know, this is like a good vibe for me, like not taking myself too seriously mm -hmm. of like having like a little bit of a disheveled ish look. And so I don't know. I'm feel I'm feeling into that. That's what that's what's been going it, facial hair wise. It's got some gravitas, I would say. It's that sort of professorial <laughs> thing. I mean, my my move right now is just to like go all in on like more of the science communication stuff because mm -hmm. I was doing I was moving that way anyway. And so um, let's and talk so about that for a second because I feel yeah. like you're like in a unique position where. Um, I think I, I talked to, uh, this guy, Wes Larson, a few months ago on my podcast, he's this bear expert and he does this thing where he goes out. I, I can't remember the name, but right now, but I'll put a link again to it where he goes out and he interviews scientists and stuff. And he's like a, uh, a wildlife biologist. So a lot mm -hmm. of times he was saying how a lot of times biologists and other scientists aren't very comfortable talking with the media because it's so easy to misconstrue what they're doing and yeah. how he says it. They, he makes them feel comfortable because he obviously is one of them. So they understand, they, yeah. they trust him and know he's going to put out the right message. And I feel the same about you as you're able to access all these, these scientists and talk to them and stuff. And so it's almost like you're in a position right now where you've been exposed to so much information. A lot of times people who have this information aren't very good at disseminating it yeah. and, or they're not very good at communicating it in a way that, other people understand. So I guess my big question is after, uh, after all your podcasts, the past couple of months, is there anything you feel like you've learned about, uh, COVID that is, that is like not being represented in the mainstream media? Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I would say just like from a psychological standpoint, like some mm -hmm. of the things, so I kind of, so I like, my stuff is way more in the wheelhouse of like how the mind works, psychology, right. that that sort of thing. Virology, epidemiology, pandemics generally, like I know very little about other than like I know a fair amount of evolution and 
-hmm. and like humans humans evolved along viruses there's just like so many um evolutionary cool factors evolve, right Isn't yeah the idea that the viruses are responsible for a lot of the things that we have like sex we right. we might we might not have we might not have we might not have gender if it weren't for viruses really yeah the first um the first uh, about two and a half billion years of life on this planet was just cloning and that's the way okay. to go like basically everything like whether we want to admit this to ourselves or not like everything on earth is just wired to be like this world needs more of this, more right. of me, just make more of me. And so like cloning's great because you're spreading like what you're making a copy of yourself, 100% of your genes. That's like the ultimate mm -hmm. goal. And then, you know, there's just like these little mistakes, some of them serendipitous, and that's how kind of evolution progresses along. It looks like it has an intention in hindsight, but most of it was just like throwing a lot of, it was just most failure. And then like the survivorship bias where it looked like, Ooh, look what evolution figured out to fly. Oh. Like it also figured out like a number of, it also figured out a million other horrible ideas before the flight thing, mm -hmm. you know? So anyway, things got larger and larger and larger. Organisms figured out how to me metabolize energy and increase their lifespan. And then when that happened, like the smaller organisms figured out how to, how to take advantage, how to latch onto them, how to take advantage of their energy. Everything's basically after the energy of the sun, pretty much. And then right. figured out how to, and, and, uh, and then uh, uh, that's not a hundred percent true, but it's, it's close enough for our purposes. And then, and then once, um, these larger organisms with these larger lifespans that parasites and bacteria, they have such short lifespans and such fast generations that they evolve really, really quickly. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. So these larger organisms then had to evolve immune systems. And so immune systems are set up like these lock and key mechanisms and parasites because they evolve so quickly. Uh, you know, if you think of a human, um, you know, we're maybe reproducing every 20 years or something like that, uh, say in our ancestral past, it, like it, it takes about 20 years to, to have offspring bacteria is uh, depending on, uh, it's like, you know, it, I think some bacteria are, are, yeah, minutes, seconds. Um, yeah. and, and so through these little errors, they're kind of like picking the locks on the immune right. system is, is like the metaphor that's often used. Wow. And, and so it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to outwit that system because the bacteria and viruses just evolved so quickly. And so the idea was why in the world is there sex? Because trading 50% of your genes when when you could be making a hundred percent copy of yourself, that's such a huge trade-off. And mm -hmm. early on they figured, well, evolution must favor diversity. And it does in a way, but it doesn't evolution doesn't have foresight like that. So it doesn't just it, again, this is like diversity works kind of in hindsight. It seems mm -hmm. like evolution like hedged a lot of bets, but it didn't have a conscious intent in doing this. What they think happened was about 1.2 billion years ago, having two different sexes was stumbled upon 
And th what that allowed for was two different immune systems to two different individuals ability mm -hmm. to swap out their immune systems to mix it up. So you're switching the locks on those bacteria and parasites. So that this wow. is often why plagues don't last for more than a generation is wow. because the new generation. So interesting. And, and, and they, they even think this is part of why AIDS isn't as virulent as it once was, it was, was just because it's years old now. been oh. a generation. Yeah. There's other factors too, but, um, so, so one, one good thing that we know about COVID is that unlike AIDS, which mutates really, really quickly, that's why there's these like ever changing cocktails that they're using to treat it. Okay. Um, but there's not, but it's like getting a vaccine is really, really tricky. COVID seems like it only mutates every 12 to 18 months. So that's mm -hmm. good news in terms of creating a vaccine and a vaccine process that could be like really viable. And so I think there will actually be a vaccine, not just like a flu shot type thing. That's, that's once a year. It'll, it'll be like polio or. I, I don't. I, so I, I did. a. I know, I, you did, don't, I know you don't know, but I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like from oh, talking to people. Theoretically. So, yeah. I mean, I did. I did all my COVID information in March, which was very little. It was enough to be like, I'm going to hunker down till June and focus okay. on psychology stuff. And then I was supposed to have a big update um, in the middle of June and then had a mental <laughs> breakdown. Right. And we'll, talk, we'll get to that. <laughs> put everything on pause. But I'm supposed to, this Saturday, any questions that you have for me? Uh -huh. I have an infectious disease person. I'll, I'll make sure and ask her um, on Saturday and I'll email you back. You can update your fans. I can get you any cool. infectious disease people that you wanna, that you wanna have on. I know cool. like some really fucking awesome people that could answer all these questions better. Um, but, um, but here's something from a psychological perspective Got that, it. that, um, that I kind of recognized really early on. And it's why I kind of like made it a little bit of a mission to just like get through to people's heads. Like, I'm not saying you need to freak out. I'm just saying this isn't a snow day. This isn't we're going to watch Netflix for three weeks and get back to normal. This is all I'm saying. I'm not saying everyone's going to die. I'm not saying that you can't go outdoors again. Like, mm -hmm. just like know that like there's going to be this is going to be a bit of a long process. And like the sooner you can come to terms with that, the better. So there's so the reason why this works psychologically a little bit better is just how we how we kind of receive losses and gains. Right. And so if you have, if you tell people, this is gonna be probably like a year, year and a half before we have a vaccine. And so, you know, it's gonna take some time to figure this out. We're gonna quarantine for now. We're, we're going to look into like expanding access and safely opening as much as possible. There might be some things like large gatherings that we don't get back for a year. We simply don't know. Uh, we're, we're learning. Uh, it's going to take a few months before we even know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, then if like three months later, six months later, ta-da, we figured out all this shit and like have some cocktail, have some great treatment, have the hospitals ready to manage things have a vaccine ready to go and be tested. 
that's a huge gain. Now, psychologically, psychologically, people right. are partying in the streets. It, yeah. If instead you say we need you to hunker down for three weeks, and then three weeks later you go, we need to, you to hunker down for another three weeks. And like fuck again, and so three weeks come- later you go, okay, we need to do this for another three. That's just like psychologically, it's just like a series of fucking cuts. That's just going to break. No one, wait, well, how come no one advised any of these public health officials to go with that messaging? How come everywhere since the beginning was okay? We're gonna. It's for the next three weeks. Then they, they keep pushing it back, even though even, but I think a lot of people were like, I know that it's not going to be a fucking, you know, grand opening parade on Main Street come April 15th. Yeah, Most yeah. people kind of felt that, but yeah. there was a lot of people who didn't. And they never, there was no place that was ever, there was no municipality or any government that was like, hey, this is going to be a long thing. Expect yeah. it. No one had ever said that. Is that because I, you think they're like worried about fallout, same way that they don't want to disclose alien encounters because they, they think people are going to lose their fucking mind if that's the case. I mean, there's so many factors. There, there's like, I, I think that, I think they thought people would maybe lose their minds or not want to hear it, and like this mm-hmm. is a way of like easing them into the bad news. The thing with bad news is if you ask me, like, you want it all at once, yeah. like, like. Uh, you, you know how people get paralyzed and then like you ask them and then they write like some book about like how it's the best thing that ever happened to over what or they, they they're in the man and you Being look paralyzed like quadriplegic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like all uh, yeah yeah uh, and you end up in a wheelchair for life and yeah. anyone from the outside would be like jesus i wouldn't be able to handle that and people do. And and part yeah. of it because of the reward mechanisms and everything in the brain. Like we just it habituate changes. really quickly to things. Oh yeah. And so we we habituate to loss, but we habituate to gains um as well. And so so there's this idea of of you want your gains to be these small incremental gains. What you don't want to do is win the lottery because you're gonna peak. And then you're never going to get past that again. And then Uh if anything, just I could get into the neuroscience of it. But if anything, like the rest of your life is is potentially, you know, you're never you're going to be chasing that dragon forever. Yeah. All those lottery winners fucking lose their minds. And not all of them, but it is a pretty common thing. And people are like so stunned when it happens. Mm -hmm. And and but your losses you want it to be like that. You want to, like I did, you want to break your feet and then like make inc- incremental gains coming back. Yeah. What you don't want, what, what's like, what's the, what's worse than like getting paralyzed is like something like MS or something like that, where, where you know that right now you're bad, but next week you're going to be worse. And the week okay. after that, you're going to be worse. Most, most people with some degenerative disease like that are like, if you told me right now, this would be it, like, that would be amazing. It's just knowing that there's another loss right around the corner. That's yeah, what you, breaks you, people. Like you're saying, you can't habituate to it because it's changing constantly. And you don't know exactly what the change is going to be. You just know it's not going to be as good. Yeah. So I think like in an ideal world, if I would have been like constructing something, it would it would have been like, all right, everyone quarantine as much as possible. And then like, come, come June, we expand 
or or mid-May even. And and this kind of happened. It's not that far. First off, to give people credit, people are like, oh, there wasn't as many deaths. There was like half as many deaths as like a lot of scientists first estimated. Yeah. Um, it's because people and, did this did the shit. And, and putting together the data, you know, you have to like take guesses at how many people are going to follow guidelines. They put in the number they put in as they figured 50% of people would follow guidelines, something like 75, 80% of people wow. actually followed the guidelines. And that led to half the number of, of deaths and cases that were estimated. Of course, psychologically, that makes people be like, see, it wasn't as bad as, as we thought. Yeah, what's that called? A false positive? <laughs> yeah. What that is where they, 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 attribute it, they attribute it to like, see, the disease isn't that bad. It's like, actually, it's because you, uh, you, you didn't go out there and fucking, you know, lick the yeah. street every goddamn day. Uh, yeah, I got my oil changed and then my engine didn't explode. Therefore, oil changes <laughs> are, are a oh scam. Oh my god! That's such fucking like class. That's like, like some classic Fox News reductive thing. I was just outside putting some, uh, I'm growing some melons in the front yard and I was adding some dirt to these pots and I was just, there's these guys trimming the trees across the street. Now, sometimes I listen to this uh, conservative talk radio because uh, that's where they play coast to coast AM at night. But sometimes I'll hear it during the day because my radio will still be on it from the next from the previous night when I was driving. You know, back when I used to go places at night, like they do a comedy show or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So I'll, sometimes I'll hear like the ads for these guys, John and Ken. They're like these conservative talk guys. And there was a, there was a news story about maybe six months ago in Los Angeles how. There's a problem that we're losing a lot of trees. There's too, there's too many trees being cut down and not enough of them regrown. And it's causing a problem because trees create, obviously trees are one of the greatest things of all time. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're like perfect and they're wonderful and there's nothing wrong with trees ever. Yeah. And how they only do good for the most part. Yeah. But how the, the shade that they create in a city actually uh, makes us use a lot less energy and causes just, it saves us a lot of energy because uh -huh. it, the shade creates less less demand for cooling. Yeah. And some some person in the city put out a thing like there's there's a tree crisis right now, and these guys these fucking blowhards were there was a clip like an ad for the show John and Ken in the morning they're laughing like what a tree crisis what is this crap oh oh trees huh <laughs> these liberals will never stop and it made me like. It was one I've never been so mad. Like sometimes <laughs> I can listen to that crap and be like, "Oh, but rolled off." But the the amount of like the sheer unbridled like force of that ignorance to me, uh, yeah, just, <laughs> like oh my god, you guys are so fucking dumb that you're talking shit about trees. Like you don't <laughs> like trees? They're fucking trees, man. They're the thing they're gonna be around. Long after we're all dead, there will be trees. And it's like just that kind of shit to me is just like when I heard that, I'm like, oh, there's there's nothing you can't politicize. There's yeah. nothing. They find a way to politicize trees. Yeah. And I just yeah. like. I, I know. I I had. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I like the I like the for, you know, first off, when I started comedy, I did a lot of like the button pushing stuff and like, yeah. uh, oh, you know, ooh, I wonder if I can get away with this abortion joke. And yeah. I still like to like 
But, uh, you know, like I was during quarantine, I was I quit drinking again recently, but I was like drinking too much and like tweeting. And that's like my surliness comes out and whatnot. And yeah, I love like, about that. seeing all of the cognitive biases and stuff of people. So it's like kind of fun to mock. And then afterwards, I'm like, ah, I think I'm just being an asshole. But that's a fun word. You just said cognitive biases. Yeah. It feels like a very nice way to say someone who's like ignorant as fuck. Or something <laughs> like that. Well, there's a lot of like intelligence, uh, evolved intelligence behind cognitive biases that are sometimes just like mismatched in our modern world or, or not applicable to every situation. Like take, uh, like, like, like take the, you know, like, um, so think about this. Think about how evolution has shaped some of our disgust mechanisms. If you saw someone like next to you, just like ch- coughing up a lung, like choking on their own lung fluids, you get away. You would probably get away. You would probably like ask them to cover their mouth. Maybe yeah. you'd probably like wipe down the area they were coughing all over with some disinfectant. And the reason why you would do that is because evolu- evolution has shaped your mind. Evolution mm-hmm. not knowing about, uh, you know, about germ theory and stuff like that just kind of stumbled on these kind of these heuristics, these best practices that was like, heuristics, oh, great word too. seems a little off. Like, okay, maybe we should stay away from that part. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always work either. Like sometimes mm-hmm. someone has a limp and they're less attractive um, to the opposite sex because, because oh, yeah. we don't, we don't know if that's a genetic thing or, or someone just twisted their ankle at first glance. And so your brain's like, better safe than sorry. Let's not, let's not fuck with those genes. And, uh, you know, evolution's just like kind of dumb and brutal in that, in that way and not perfect. That's a a good way to describe it. Dumb and brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Because I feel like what you're saying there, that has to do with so much of what, what we think and talk about is like things that being, um, being that way, being dumb and brutal, where they're like, "Oops, did you freeze I think I just on me?" Lost you. There oh, you no, go. You're back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you said yeah, like the idea much of, of what we, we we talk about. Well, like I guess in terms of like you think about like even like talking about like racial stuff right now, like every kind of every kind of uh, unconscious discrimination is based in this weird primitive brain. It's like you're saying dumb and brutal, where yeah, this necessarily makes sense only makes sense in this really raw uh, raw level where you're not taking anything else into account other than yeah. the most basic information presented to this thing that doesn't have a lot of cognitive awareness outside of of like, oh, uh, green good, red bad kind of thing. Yeah, and there's like reasons why in and out group biases were kind of beneficial and I, yeah. I mean, most of our ancestors just weren't coming across people of like a different skin color or something like that in an entire lifetime. Never. And so, yeah. And so it would be fucking jarring, you know, yeah, like all, jarring. All, all, all of a sudden. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck? fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, could you imagine that feeling? How cool that would be <laughs> to like live like maybe, you know, to be a person who, I don't know, like 2000 years ago. And encountering someone with the exact opposite skin mm-hmm. color for the first time. How, I mean, I just can't imagine how, how many.
things would go off in your brain that would just be, I can't imagine the thrill. And and then there there's contradicting there's contradicting like goals within evolution too like mm-hmm. um, outgroup for mating is a it can be a really good idea in terms of in terms of uh, that immune system stuff that we right. talked about. Uh, the more differing the immune system, this is why incest is something that we're repulsed by is because right. we all have about four we all have about four thousand like genetic errors. Uh, but the chance of meeting uh, and and most most of them are most of them are benign unless you mate with someone else with that exact same right it just error. increases the chances right it's like basically instead of having like a 100 side die you have a 50 sided die and then it goes on like a 25 sided die and then it's like it just yeah yeah and um and and so um uh so the oh, what is the fucking genetic term again with it? Re- re- yeah, they're they're most of them are recessive traits. Right. But if if you ha- get two people with this recessive trait together and it becomes the dominant trait, now you got a flipper baby, and that and that's why that's why incest is <laughs> um is is such a is such a thing that we. We actually don't really need laws for in like people are fine to figure out to like not bang their family like yeah. on their on their own. Um, <laughs> like people like kind of have a natural uh, inclination against that. But but so so there's all of these things where where you might find someone of like a different a different race sexually appealing, but socially because like you're in group. Ha, yeah. has, then uh, from a social you, you might be you might be scared you might see of like more of a threat so yeah um so you know this is like this is often this this goes a little ways to explain why like you can have like the most racist like hateful aggressive dude in the world and then he marries some like <laughs> some some uh, person of a, like a different ethnicity right. or whatever even though they don't they're like scared of the males in that ethnic group god do you know about hybrid vigor in plants um not enough uh, explain it's, thing, it's like one of my favorite sayings i love th- i just fucking love thinking about it hybrid vigor is this thing that happens i'm probably gonna misspeak a bit but hybrid vigor is when you combine two um, not two species, two uh, varieties of a plant. And a lot of times it grows super fast because it has what's known as hybrid vigor because it's been hybridized. So you have the rootstock of this one plant that, that has developed great roots and you have the top stock of this other plant that develops great fruit. And so you put them together, you crossbreed them and it has something called hybrid vigor where they grow super fast. And I was thinking about this, I was reading this book I can't think of what it's called. It's by this. Uh, it's about the Comanches uh, in the 1800s and the, like the war the U.S. government had with with the Comanches, so specifically with this one, the last Comanche leader, and this guy named Quahana Parker. Mm-hmm. He was half white. His mom was uh, was stolen during a Comanche raid, and she was his mom, and she was like she was 100% Comanche at some point, you know, because she was stolen as a child, and she raised him in a Comanche community, so. She was actually even taken by white settlers. Like she was taken by whites back to become white again. And she like spent her entire life trying to leave to get back to her Comanche community. Cause she was like, mm. she was Comanche. But I guess my whole point is that um, throughout like uh, a lot of history stuff I've read, a lot of the 
people, a lot of the, the greatest uh, American Indian warriors were half white. Mm-hmm. Um, Chief Osceola for the Seminoles, half white. Quanah Parker, half white. And it makes me think like something happened there that made these guys fucking like them the most badass motherfuckers you've ever heard of in your life. Yeah. Like yeah. guys who would do like supernatural things just yeah. because they have, they have this weird hybrid vigor where they're like, they're the best of both worlds and they're just like destructively powerful. I think Bob Marley was half white too. Like it's this yeah. thing where you have this weird thing where you have like the, well, that's a, I mean, I mean, look at, look at all the like mixed really race people that are like, you know, dominant athletes or like, uh, actors or all of these like gorgeous yeah uh, well, very that's another thing too they're always super incredibly beautiful people who are like yeah. that, if you can think about it, that's also something that's like a really big that's that's not that's not that's not um it's not meaningless like beauty isn't meaningless and that's no it's very meaningful it, it, it's actually like be- beauty is not so much something that's like some like higher than average thing that's attained beauty is actually the um b- beauty is actually the um the Phenotype. absence of well it's the absence of of flaws so here here's something fuck it you're gonna love this they had uh, uh when when they first started putting this together they they tried to um they tried to do criminal profiling like uh-huh. like when when photographs first came out like i don't know if this is like late 1800 early 1900s or something like that and someone had the brilliant idea of like, we'll just get the negatives of all of these mug shots and like put them on top of one another, basically like morph them together. And what you'll have is like what a criminal looks like. And so they did this with males and females. And then they're like, here's what a criminal looks like. And no people fucking way. And, and, and people were like, criminals look fucking gorgeous because actually what happens when you do that is you're just, you're just, um, averaging out people's flaws. That wow. that's all, that's all that you're doing. So we all have like a little bit of lopsidedness here and there yeah. because symmetry is just this incredibly difficult thing for to pull off mm-hmm. there's tons of genetic factors but then there's also environmental factors of like getting a good diet how many injuries did you have mm-hmm. uh, uh, like in your life how many uh, like did you have any like uh, did did you get did you get some like disease as a kid in the environment there's like a zillion things like that yeah. that factor into symmetry so it's it's it is like in our ancestral past it was like a somewhat honest indicator as they'll they'll sometimes say an honest indicator of of uh, health of of physical and immune health and you know all all of that only goes so far you know most most people would argue that humans have been selected for our brains and our thoughts yeah. and our ideas more more than anything but it's still interesting in terms of like in terms of the race conversation you know it, it was like uh, the unfortunate thing is like 
um, here's one of the many unfortunate things that happened with the Nazis. Um, yeah, well, I was about to say that. We're getting into eugenics here. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it really it really spoiled what could have been like a really interesting conversation was that people yeah. people with, I, I mean, you, you just see what like cool, good information does in the hands of idiots that don't understand it. Like listen to Trump talking about like good bloodlines and stuff like that. Like <laughs> I haven't heard of that uh, shit. He, he's oh always God. talking about good bloodlines. He is? <laughs> Not always. There's just some oh. fun segments of him being like, you know, I just got good brain. It's just like I believe in the blood. And the and the genes and that and that stuff is just like he's never taken a genetics class, you know. Like yeah. he did. There's just like there's a lot more to it than that. And no one's no one's saying that like the beautiful people and like just going for them is like the way to go. There's just a million more factors. And the the real shame of all of this stuff is that like because our brains are so incredible and also stupid at the same time because we're such incredible adaptive um uh we're such an incredibly adaptive and diverse species we're such incredible tool makers that we've been able to shape the world based on like these weird like inner instincts that we have but like the actual outcome of the world that we've built for ourselves is not the world that we are like genetically built and adapted for and so there's all these ridiculous like mismatches that just you know taking things off of a taboo subject like a really easy example is just car sickness why you mm -hmm. get car sick is just because of an evolutionary mismatch with our modern world um and it's just a misunderstanding in how our brain processes we didn't evolve to be in these rolling containers oh. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we did not we didn't evolve to be yeah. Yeah, so, so there's causes like, like there's information coming from your inner ear that's telling you that you're moving and then but if you're looking at the dash or reading a book in the passenger seat, the information not, yeah. going to the exact same part of your brain that's that also you know the part of your brain that senses of you're moving is using a several different factors to determine that. And the information coming from your eyeballs is saying that you're not moving. You're looking at something stationary. And so, so there's kind of like this almost supervisorial function in there being like, Hey, why, why is this thing saying we're moving this other thing saying we're not, why are we getting the exact opposite stimulus like that never happened in our ancestral environment ever. Yeah. And so what would cause some neurologic miscommunication or firing like that is if you ate something poisonous recently. And so oh. if you ate something poisonous, you would want to ready yourself to throw up. Yeah. So now you're in the passenger side of a car and your brain thinks the best solution is like, we better get ready to throw up in case we had some bad berries or something like wow. that. And there's no way to consciously tell your brain like, no, <laughs> it's just a car. Yeah, you know? that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. I, I did, that makes so much sense now. Why? Yeah, because so many, because poison, uh, like any type of hallucinogenic is essentially a poison. Yeah. Yeah. So in that same way, when you see someone that isn't sick 
and 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 isn't coughing all over the place like uh, now now in a world where you have if if you want to if you're a virus and you want to and you want to be passed around through humans you better stumble upon some pretty clever fucking tricks because mm-hmm. we got some stuff figured out we have disinfectant we have modern medical care we have condoms we have we have like education we have all of these incredible things that that like it used to be um yeah i i think the evolution of god bless you um was because there was this disease where at the end like it it was often lethal and toward the end people would (laughs) would sneeze a bunch which is a fucking hilarious way to die um sneezing a lot because I don't know what your feelings on sneezing, but I I I love sneezing. Oh, I sneeze as, I sneeze so loud I lean into it. <laughs> I, know. I try to try to try to break the decibel meter. I go like fucking. Ah! I, I, I not only do I do that, I'm often considered one of the most dramatic sneezers that I do. But uh, when I when I finish sneezing, I always like I always wait a second. I'm like. This is like a fresh start. Like whatever my yeah. day was before that, like I got a fresh look at things. Like how do I want to? But, but anyway, so, so they thought, you know, just using some of these preferences, it, it like the way that, the way that our consciousness tries to articulate our inner world of avoiding things is they were like, well, sneezing must mean that the devil's getting in there. Right. So um, so when someone sneezes, they're letting the devil in. So stay away from that person because they're the devil. This is like, you know, this conscious story, which is basically just like, stay the fuck away from people sneezing. And then, yeah. and then after that plague, and like, you no longer had to like freak out when someone sneezed. Um, it went back the other way and, and they were like, Oh, sneezing is actually what releases the devil. God bless. God just blessed you when you when you sneeze. God um, bless you. So that's that's like how far we've come in just in not that long, a few hundred years, which yeah. is a sliver of time evolutionarily. But we don't have the uh, we don't have the psychological tools to use our intuition to pick up on a disease that's that has a delayed onset that's yeah the delayed onset the, is is genius yeah and and that's that's another thing that 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 aids stumbled upon so aids was able to be really virulent early on and then once we figured out condoms and things like that mm-hmm. then it had to be a less virulent because if a virus can just if a virus can be spread from host to host really quickly, it can just consume whatever host is as long as it's being spread, it's just gonna like everything just wants more. Um, It'll destroy its host and it won't have anything left. And it won't have anything left. But if that host isn't living long enough to pass it on to the next host, then that virus needs to the, the viruses that evolve and do well are going to be the ones that slow their roll a little bit and last in the person long enough to be, to be spread. So who, we don't know if, if the, I am, 
I this is something that I don't know, so I'm really talking out of my ass in terms of mm-hmm. COVID. I would speculate that there would be several different strains of right. of of COVID, and if with like proper distancing and everything, ones that would evolve would be ones that are less virulent that we can kind of live along with. The uh, the COVID nineteen is is just you know there's been we've been living with COVID viruses for uh, uh or, or with coronaviruses rather for a long million years. Most of most of them aren't um, aren't pathogens. Most of them right. do no harm to us, and um, and so it's possible. And then, because then once, because viruses compete with one another too, so so once a less virulent um, uh, strain of a virus takes hold then a more virulent it, it it's actually going to defend itself against a more virulent strain of COVID. Right. So, so a more benign form of covid could eventually like protect us against a more virulent strain which is like a lot of what uh, of what vaccines are are wow. doing it's like hastening it's the, that uh, process enemy of my enemy is my friend <laughs> yeah yeah that, right exactly and oh, I didn't realize uh, that. that's interesting and and please i hope listeners don't take too much of of this as like me really knowing my my stuff because in terms of covid and the coronavirus i and infectious diseases in general mm-hmm. i i'm not your guy i'm just going off of the shit that i i do know from just what I, yeah. whatever else i know about evolution it's interesting though. It's still it's still like food for thought in terms of like everything that's going on. But it's still yeah. what amazes me is just how much people don't know still. I yeah. just can't. I just have so much trouble with that. There's like dealing so much, with the fact that so much the, just the amount of unknowns. The I guess the frustrating thing is the science denial stuff for me is like the idea that these are one the idea that like this is a scientist conspiracy or something like that. Like universe. You, you know who's losing a lot of jobs right now? Scientists. Really? Like, so, so, scientists aren't just scientists. Do a, there's a lot more scientists out there than virologists. Virologists are a very small minority of the scientists. Yeah. Virologists are saying we got to shut down universities. That's stop. You know how many physicists want to be in the lab right now? Right. Doing yeah. doing their work, you know how many you know how many animal uh, researchers had to euthanize all of their fucking animal shit. Oh like my they god, can't even, really? It, Ugh, yeah, that's horrible that's... shit. All oh. these studies that need to come to a dramatic like dramatic pause immediately. All the data that's lost. It's not like this is a convenient thing for scientists as well. How do they how do they get their money from universities? Enrollment's mm-hmm. going to be way down. So, uh, and a lot of a, a lot of people, some scientists just like doing the work and they don't like being professors. A lot of people love being a professor, love like getting up in front of a crowd and working yeah. a room. They can't do it, it's it's not like they're sitting around like coming up with clever ways to like yeah. shut down their fucking schools so that they can do their classes over Zoom meetings. You yeah. think that there aren't scientists in every other field being like what the fuck, virologists? You better be <laughs> right about this, because this is fucking up our lives too. Yeah, and and, and scientists are also like blue collar fucking people. Like I I I go to all nor, under normal conditions, 
I go to their offices, which are not. I, not, I, not, I basically I've been to a bunch of them. Not something special. If anything, it's a mess. I've never been in an impressive <laughs> office. Uh, I, I've you know where yeah. I've been in impressive offices is in like fucking Hollywood agents, agencies uh, <laughs> where like some fucking know nothing salesman yeah. uh, has like some fucking great view. Um, and, um, yeah, and some, all the scientists I know, at least like all the medical scientists I know, they're all such dorks that they they wouldn't, uh, the kind of people who like forget to have lunch because they're looking at something, you know, and yeah. they have, like, oh, oh, we're supposed to eat now. I was just was, I was staring yeah. at this so long. I forgot that I have to eat food. Yeah. And they, and then they also, the idea that like learning, like we're, we're supposed to be learning more. And our mm-hmm. view on this stuff is supposed to evolve. And I, I hope when I talk to this person on Saturday, they're like, right, we, we had just enough time to realize that we are now like well-equipped and we have everything that we need to like mm-hmm. get back to normal. And and like we have enough things in place to treat people. And I, like science is waiting for that answer too. That would be fucking great news if they had that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that, I think that if in an ideal world, uh, I mean, we talked about this on the phone as like the unfortunate side of um, politicizing everything is like rather than some algorithm based of like, hey, this this whole state doesn't have that many cases. It has hospitals that are well equipped to manage new cases that come in. We could like do do with several of these things that are like pretty like certainly people could like have barbecues outside and stuff like that and maybe try to avoid like going into disgusting dive bars and like groups of <laughs> of, of people and like use the summer to like get outdoors and have uh, like meet up with folks that way in these areas and like know that like this area can open this much because it has this many cases instead it's like Okay, there's a blue governor here, therefore no one ever go outside again. There's a red governor here, therefore spring break for your freedom. Yeah. And and like what a fucked up way to look at all of this. If it, instead it was just like Okay, great. We we had some time. Now what we when we were talking about essential workers, we're now expanding what essential worker means, and now mm-hmm. we're going to start opening up some service industry for those essential workers because we're going to since they're actually like working more we're going to in our economies the most dependent on them we're going to make sure and take care of like their mental health like first and foremost Mm -hmm. when there is someone tested hey congratulations you just got three weeks paid leave at home we give you every fucking thing that you need so you don't go outside and get anyone else sick we have improved tracking we have improved testing and then you just, and then that goes well. And then you expand the service industry, you expand what people can do. And, and then what now. that is, is that's those small incremental okay. gains. What I'm worried um, about is there's just going to be another peak. We're going to have to shut everything down and, again. And resume, it's going to okay? fucking break people. And man, people are going to have PTSD oh, from this shit. People are going to be scared. People are going to freak out. They're going to have, you know, and there's going to be, and every are you still there one two three four five five four three two one end of bed and uh everything's going again so nice that's good um i'm gonna just put a little note in here um new start okay 
Got it. Um, so you were saying about, yeah, about the different places, like there's ink, all this inconsistency with the messaging and all that stuff like that, right? And yeah. Would... I, I mean, I was so confused early on. I was like, how how is it that I'm talking with a couple people that are like, you know, working on the information that the CDC is using or working mm-hmm. with the CDC? But then when you hear like the CDC say something or like the administration say something, that, uh, you know, that's theoretically getting their information from the CDC. Like, why is it a different thing than what I'm hearing from the people actually yeah. putting this um, together? And, you know, that's I, I mean, there's a there's also like a million other. That's another thing that I, I suppose you have to factor into when, you know, we were talking about how, you know, you're plugging this into you're plugging a human factor into Mm -hmm. these results of like how many people are going to follow guidelines so then you go well what is the messaging so that's like another variable like Mm -hmm. uh, okay uh, a hurricane's coming through new orleans do you just scare the living fuck out of everybody so that they'll leave like better safe than sorry um because and make it and like blow it out of proportion just because if it does take a turn we're completely fucked and we don't have the resources and a lot of people lose their lives or if you do that are you crying wolf and then people Mm -hmm. aren't going to take our word for it the next time when it's definitely coming you know there there is (laughs) there is all of that going on too and then like what I would love to, why are we hearing these conversations? I don't understand why, like, first off, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we elected like a reality star and it, 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 it is what it is, <laughs> but like the dude, the dude. So we wanted someone that wants to be on cam- camera or had a show or whatever. The guy likes attention. Like, why isn't, why isn't all of this stuff just recorded all the time? Why don't we yeah. get the, like, like C-SPAN, why aren't we just getting to hear like these conversations? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we getting to hear people like hash out all the factors that go, go into this and yeah, and every, like, like, why not? I think people are adult enough to like hear all of this stuff. Instead, there's like this, this, uh, whatever's happening behind closed doors to then go out there and, and okay we're, we're ready to say it now we're gonna we have it said in a way where we think people will understand it we have it said in a way that it doesn't piss off any one singular group we've have a special way we're gonna say it and we're gonna say it now and also everything's gonna have a caveat everything is like well this is this is if this happens if this if this it's all like caveat caveat yeah so much of that stuff to me I think either it's either a thing where they're planning on people disobeying it or it's just a thing where it's just something, it's almost like a victory garden where you don't actually, we don't, the war effort doesn't actually need your garden. We don't actually need your 10 scraps, but it gives people something to do because everything's in the shit because like the whole social distancing thing to me is kind of, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. The idea that like, there's this magical six feet barrier. Yeah, yeah. Like things don't things don't follow that sort of guideline. And even then, if they if they did, if that was the case, then like 
uh, there's just so many things that, that they've attached to the thing that just don't, doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it sort of implies that, that this virus is magical. Yeah. And yeah. So, so like, like when I go running, I don't wear a mask. I also don't come within 12 feet of anybody because yeah, I don't yeah. want to even be close to anybody. But I also just can't fucking wear a mask. I can't fucking breathe. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a thing where, so if I'm, or if you're like riding your bike in the middle of the goddamn street and you don't wear a mask, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, not it's funny too that like, cause you're in LA. Yeah. And so you have, I mean, listen, you know, LA is LA. LA yeah. is like, of course they're like. L.A. was germaphobes before the, you know, L.A. Yeah. was like the fucking king of like organic, like mm -hmm. hippie oversensitive. Like that was already L.A. before this. Like, of course, they have like one response and that, you know, I'm in I'm in Wisconsin. I'm I'm in La Crosse, the same area. You know, it's very different. And like Ro in Rochester, Minnesota, right? Yeah. Or, or La Crosse, Wisconsin a very different vibe where it's like, yeah, you got people in LA yelling at one another for like leaving their house without a, a mask. And then you go yeah. somewhere else where there's people like mocking people for wearing masks. It's like, well, yeah. why can't, why can't that person wear a mask if they want to wear a mask? Mm -hmm. Like, like there has to be some, uh, some balance between all, all of that. But yeah, in terms of, in terms of how how the how does this particular virus work and all uh, yeah i i mean I, a lot of this a lot of this does seem like it seems like people have been throwing a lot of like chicken bones at this uh, just like uh, there's been a lot of like superstition attached to all yeah. of this that gives people like a semblance of of uh of control or it also seems like maybe it's just a statistics thing like it's really when they came up with a lot of these guidelines, they're like, okay, this is this is the least we can do to have the most effect that has the simplest messaging because it's this idea yeah. where you obviously cannot guarantee anything ever. Yeah. But if you just do, if you just have a, a lessening of Roger, respiratory honey, stuff, that just makes the chances of you getting it less. Yeah, or yeah. If you just don't touch a thing, if you don't touch yeah. another person's hand the chances are lower. So, so many things to me just seem like it's a, it's a, all it is, is it's a statistical, uh, well, you're just building program. these like social heuristics again too, because yeah. also it'd be overwhelming to get through to everybody like, okay, old people and like also like children who can't talk yet, um, understand that there's a different rule for every situation. So we open um, public doorknobs with our left pinky finger and then dip it into a thing. Yeah. And then that's, a, and then, and then in terms of car doors, we always use our right middle finger and then we do, and then we wipe it on our, our pants, but then we always make sure we're wearing clean pants. But it, you know, there's, there's to like figure out exactly all of the rules that would apply to every um, every situation. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's also just like, ah, I have to, our brains were not meant to think about, to consider all these things. Uh, no. it's, it's like, it's like everyone has to be OCD. And if you're OCD, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's like yeah. mentally exhausting. Cause you're kind of like, you're having to attend 
to these things that are just yeah. so unnatural that it creates this. I think that's why a lot of people are, are depressed right now. Yeah. Is because we have this severe amount of awareness. Like we're able to go online and able to communicate with every, everyone we know, everyone we don't know, and instantaneously communicate all kinds of things, pictures and video and text, all this stuff. Yet we have no physical interaction to kind of like uh, shore that up at all. And so it's creating this weird kind of disconnection, I feel like, where we have all this mental awareness, yet no physical awareness. And so it's this mindset that's never existed in humanity as long as people have been alive. Mm. It's this crazy fucking disparity between in, between input and output that's like doesn't make any sense. You know, it's almost like we're we're just we're so Something about the idea to me of being isolated while being extremely connected socially is, I think, it's disastrous. I mean, it's this is so exceptional. Like, we just have <laughs> not evolved for anything like this. This is nothing like this. Nothing exactly like this has ever happened in human history. Way worse things have happened. The fucking Black Plague was like that was two hundred million people died. Yeah, that was, that was like something like a quarter of the population of, of of something like that. I mean, it was over ten years, but like, holy shit! Like, it, just just knowing that's the thing with all with all this for me is is I'm just like, I'm like, well, I know one thing at the end of all this is that we are not prepared for like the fucking the real one, one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the big one, but we could be, you know, and we could be, and we could be sticking into jobs and, and money into the economy to like rework the infrastructure. We could, we could be like, we could be like, you, you know, you know what our, you know, how we know we have like, uh, um, a healthy economy is that we can pause it at any time we need to for a year and survive. Yeah, know? that's actually that's actually a good point. That's actually that's like a real economic thing people talk about for companies and all kinds of stuff. If you can, if you can weather uh, famine. Yeah, and it's like I it it is crazy to me that like that I you know this thing of like individual responsibility. So I'm supposed to have a retirement plan <laughs> for like decades of like, uh, uh, and it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to have a diversified portfolio that, that can, that can withstand an economic collapse. Mm -hmm. And, but like our government doesn't have like three months of shit to get us yeah. by like, if we need it like there's 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 some sort of imbalance uh going going on there and why why couldn't it be a source of a source of pride if you want to like make me believe in all the fucking crazy flag waving and shit that's irritated me my whole life <laughs> oh uh, why 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 can't we like have pride and like readiness for stuff like that or caring yeah. for people that are the most underserved and not it, sexy. It's, it's so fucking boring, man. That's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, it, it it's easier to, 
like with the science stuff, it's easier to like make up stories of of like shape shifting lizards manipulating five G towers and whatnot. <laughs> And it is to like, have you ever tried reading a fucking science publication? They, they've gotten so much better in the last 20, 10, 20 years. Yeah. They've gotten a lot more readable. But, but it's still fuck, man, very dry. Boring. And yeah. And it's it's incredible to have so much information. at our. But I, I mean, I would say like retrain. I think we need to be like retraining ourselves to be like, if something's boring, it's probably correct. <laughs> yeah. You know. That's a good point. Cause there's so many things that, I mean, uh, there's a big, all, almost all of the financial stuff is that way where it's so boring. Yeah. Like the richest, the richest people in the world are people whose names you've never heard of. And it's, they're, they're doing stuff that's super boring, but they're, they're managing these hedge funds and they're just quietly like, don't look at me. I'm just uh, t- taking all of the money here. Because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, work, working the markets and stuff like that. Yeah. That e- kind of thing where even, even like, that, uh, I watched some documentary about the, um, Oh God, how am I forgetting this? The, the, um, Epstein? no, no, the, oh. what the Oracle of Omaha, um, the, Oh, uh, Warren Buffett, Warren, Warren Buffett. And like, right. just this, like, idea and like i know this is more of like being eccentric than anything but but he he decides each day like what mcdonald's value meal he's going to get based on how is like how certain he is about like his economic future that's how yeah. he decides whether he's going to spend like another 71 cents or not like, the greatest like what the and that's some boring ass shit yeah super boring (laughs) very boring but i mean it kind of goes back to what you're talking about at the very beginning is that his probably uh what were you saying about the idea of um you know registering uh not excitement but expectations and um like not i guess tempering your expectations or yeah, the idea where he gets probably a huge thrill out of a very small thing. Yeah, so he's yeah, able yeah, to do this experience. stuff because he doesn't need he doesn't need much to. The thing that thrills him is this something that wouldn't make it's not exciting to anyone else. Yeah, it's almost like um mindfulness, but with finances or something yeah. like that. It's like it's like at yoga or something. At first, you're just like thrilled to be able to like remember to do a bunch of the postures without feeling too awkward or self-conscious or whatever and then over time you actually start to realize some of the shit that they're talking about of like some of these like oh this oh i see that why that posture makes sense with just like walking around in everyday life and and um and doing i i i do a lot of barefoot walking and even barefoot hiking which people think is like fucking crazy i guess i've done it i've done it i've done it for a couple hours once and it's like i have to think about every single step that i take Uh and i have to like have i have to like think about my balance Mm -hmm. in every step because if i'm like stepping on a rock or whatever there's just like this fine tuning that my muscles have to do and uh, and I have to, um, 
like and it really like activates the nerves in my feet it's i i do it a lot because i have a some old surgeries and foot injury stuff that it helps like wake up the nerves and then there's like neuroplasticity stuff that yeah. they, they actually say with um they say with like people in nursing homes they've done studies of just like having them go barefoot like wakes up because the soles of your feet wow. dampen some of the activation in your mind that you know you have wow. you have sensory uh, receptors that are yeah. dampened from wearing soles all the time so it just wakes up aspects of your mind and so um so you know but but that that makes you like something as as that's like a boring old hike if you're wearing shoes for me is just like sometimes i'm like God, am I going to need to call someone to bring shoes for me? Like, <laughs> am I going to make it? Like, I went yeah. down the wrong trail and I've been walking on gravel for like 10 minutes now. Yeah. Like, I guess I just got to keep going. And I'm like getting a fucking adrenaline rush from oh, what, idea. what everyone is doing. Uh, everyone else is just like taking for granted. And, but you know, and then again, you can't do that with every fucking thing in life. Yeah, but you can do it in pieces. Yeah, so I, I mean, I mean, that's the. I think we're all desensitized, and I, and I think that's the. We we talked about this over the phone. It was like mm-hmm. I was off social media for like two and a half years, and it was wonderful. And I got back in during quarantine because. I felt um, one a need to take my business online, and two, um, you know, um, passionate about just like um, I I don't have enough information about COVID. Not, it, it, I I wasn't I wasn't so much passionate about like um, stopping like uh, all of us dying from some virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was more passionate about just like. I knew there's going to be some mental health and some frustrations yeah. and that's, uh, and, and that's where I, I felt like I could use the things that I know to guide people yeah. instead kind of turned into an asshole and, <laughs> on social media. And I was like, yeah, this just isn't healthy. Um, it's really hard. And it's, it's, it's been engineered. It's been engineered by the same people who design casinos, man, they know what they're doing. They design it. So you interact in a way that is addictive and does not have an end. It's, I, I posted the coolest fucking paper and I think about it all the time and I posted it when like all, all the racial tension, it was, it was just about like how hard it is when you, when you're in a position of power or in a position of privilege to take on the perspective of people lower than you, but you like really, and everyone benefits when people in higher um, power take perspective from the people yeah. everyone wants to give perspective like you and I are having a back and forth sometimes we're taking right. and giving our perspective but when a, in a position of power it's it can be difficult sometimes it's just a numbers thing like we can't get back to every message someone sends us on social media yeah. um but but uh it's just this cool thing of like when you prime power like they they have people like draw an e on their head and if you prime people in power they draw the E as if so that they could see it. Whereas if you prime them to like feel subordinate, people draw the E so that others can read mm. 
read the E and there's just like all these interesting ideas about and so it's just like the coolest fucking like little paper and it's like pretty readable and everything and like so I just posted that when I left and I looked and it has like eh, you know six faves or something like that whereas I, I, I promise you uh, or six little hearts or whatever I promise you like I could I could get online right after this say something controversial and get like retweets and all these fucking yeah. things and like be a dick or whatever and 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 there's incentive to be like and if i get those retweets and the right person sees it then maybe people will see my podcast and i'll get more podcasts yeah. and so it's just like the incentive structure for our informational systems is so just like fucked up right now that yeah it's been wired in a way that doesn't promote things that are good necessarily it just how wires <laughs> yeah. to promote it has no it has no filter it has no judgment at all it just promotes things that it promotes things that promote the beast itself mm -hmm. so i learned this when i i had like this fit where i decided to unfollow every single person on instagram a few months ago yeah because i was tired of i was just like i was taking in too much input and i had a, a real yeah. issue with um just posting and not reading because yeah. I feel like I'm I'm super sensitive to seeing stuff and like comparing myself and stuff, but what the the machine, the beast of Instagram, does is if you do that, it stops promoting your stuff because it's basically like I, I liken it to if you go to a casino, they give you free drinks when you're at the table. Yeah, they don't yeah. just give you free drinks if you're just walking <laughs> through. Yeah, yeah. and you don't if you stay in your hotel room if you go to a hotel, like they do all this stuff if you play the game you get lots of stuff for free because you are helping them. So they help you. But if you're just there as a tourist, they don't want tourists. They want people who are engaging. And so all this, all this software has all these, they're measuring every metric about you. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, I mean, this is very conspiratorial, but if they're tracking your eye line, and oh what, yeah what, where the where you look on certain pages like on instagram i already know that because i've been getting more thirst picks pulled up recently and oh, i don't yeah. click on thirst picks but my eyes want you to my eyes my eyes, do. <laughs> my they, eyes know, do. they know how long you're looking at it they know <laughs> everything about it and it's like all designed because they're, they're basically trading their currency is attention yeah so if your currency is attention that means you do all these things, you do whatever you can to increase engagement to the point where if they could, they would have everyone engaged at all times. Yeah. They even, they even actually make it harder to log out of Instagram because they change the yeah. buttons around. So if you have, because I log out all the time, I was habituated to pushing, don't remember, don't remember my password because it makes it easier to, makes it harder to log back in if you have to put your password in, right? Yeah. So I always say, don't remember the password. And I want to log out, but they constantly refresh the button layout of that two-step process. So you have to think more about doing it. And what I want you to do is to accidentally click yes, remember password and no, don't log out because you're habituated yeah. to the thing and it's fucking devious, but it's genius because yeah, yeah. they're basically, they just want to get you locked in so much. And that's with every single piece of media software that we use has been programmed by these people who are so smart that they're doing the same, exactly the same things that every, the people who design slot machines 
and who designed the layout of a casino, the people who picked the carpet and all that stuff. They're just all designed for maximum engagement with the least amount of awareness of engagement. Yeah, yeah. And they do like it's just so, it's such it just boggles my mind. Yeah. All this stuff where they even do that stuff where they're like, oh, you know what? We're gonna have a, a thing in place that, that limits you, that helps you curtail your use of our program. But it's all just like God. This, I love that program. Can't get enough of that program. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, have, they have all these like guards in there, which is like having like a fence. It's having like a baby gate that has a lock. That's the height of the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. thing where it just oh we don't want we don't want the baby to go swimming, so we have a gate, but the gate is it's this tall and it has a bright orange unlocking mechanism so the baby can figure out how to unlock it easily i've been to a psych ward twice uh, in my life and the two most uh, and both times the single most beneficial thing that i learned from both of those experiences is if you want to help someone's mental health take away their computer and phone for a week (laughs) Can we talk about this now? Your most recent. Can we talk about your most recent. You thing? can have people surrounded by cameras and a room full of crazy people being monitored and under the most ridiculous, stressful conditions. But if they don't have access to a phone and computer, they're gonna do all right. What the fuck is going on right now? Isn't that just insane? That that is like so helpful. It's like so helpful, man. When I do a day without my phone or something like that, I just feel so good. Like it's I'm, fucking I'm, insane. Like what's going on? I have a, I have a thing. I've, I've, it's, I got, I got offered to sponsor some other like phone company. Anyway, I, but I think I have what one, one of the things that I thought of in the psych ward is I'm going to, I have a second phone and I have these people that want to sponsor me. So I'm going to use my second line just to like give like my mom and my assistant and like a couple other people this number and I'll have that phone on me like an emergency pager like a doctor would have or whatever and then my regular phone is just like in my room I check it like twice a day you know that that's that's what I want to do and then if if there's like an emergency someone can like get a hold of my assistant who can get a hold of me I am yeah. reachable at any time for an emergency. Uh, and there's like apps for, you know, you can like turn off your, um, it, you can turn off your thing, but uh, that's the baby gate situation. Yeah. They, don't, they, like, they definitely do not sponsor those. Well, they don't work well. Everything about them is it undercuts the entire ethos of all technology companies is disengagement. It's yeah. like this thing where you just can't, it it's just so fundamental to their core the attention that there's a reason facebook a uh, a company that does not charge you anything whatsoever how does that company the richest company in the world just about like yeah. does that make any fucking sense when yeah. in the history of time has a company that charges nothing well i'll tell you the I... most money well i i pay for my live shows because you do because we're promoting right because I don't, I don't want to be on social media. And so like, if I'm, if I'm coming through Kansas city with a show, fuck it, I'll just like pay for an ad and and, and, like figure out all of these things. It's funny too. Like they'll, as far as that goes, 
you know, it's it's not just like throwing money into an ad. You need to like know your marketing and have like yeah, it's very specific quality product and description and good sizzle and like you know, there's all this shit that goes into it outside of that. But like, you'll run some ads and it will go really well. Mm-hmm. And then once it goes well, like for long enough, it gets you hooked on those ads, and then you need it to run your business. And and then and then they start like increasing how much those ads cost to reach the same number of, of fucking people. They have, they have their shit. They down, know, they man. know exactly what they're doing. Well, yeah. Can we go back a little bit? Cause you sort yeah. of dropped something that I mean, I know about, but uh, yeah. you just said you're in the psych ward, Yeah. which uh, when, it, when you told me that I, I couldn't help but laugh because <laughs> when you first told me like, you know, a few days ago and I was talking to you that, cause it's this thing where, I mean, I've known you for a pretty long time and we're from like a similar place as part of the world geographically. Yeah. So there's like obviously that sort of mutual understanding, but yeah. you have like such like a, you're so cogent and so like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I laugh at it because the idea of you being a psych ward to me is just, seems ridiculous because <laughs> you seem like the least great quote unquote crazy person I know. And it's just so it's funny to me. Also, the fact <laughs> yeah. that you laugh at it, you're laughing at it as well. Yeah. And you laugh at it when you tell me it. Uh, yeah. It's just oh, yeah. so like I don't know. There's something about it that's very funny, but also yeah. I love it because of that. Because it's like you're approaching this thing that's obviously kind of it's pretty heavy. Yeah. But you're you have this approach to it that is so interesting. I mean, I have I mean, I think that like if someone um, listens to me talk for long enough, you'll see that like most of my stuff is like grounded in a fair amount of reason and logic and educating myself. But like if you just catch like the little bits of of highlights of like what I do, I mean, I definitely you know, much in the way like a barefoot hiking, like looks cra- like everyone that I pass on the hiking trail, they notice that I'm barefoot and I sometimes got to explain it to people and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it just seems fucking nuts to people. And so just like lots of stuff that I do to like get outside of my comfort zone and push boundaries and stuff. Um, and like understand, um, like some pretty like, complicated ideas about consciousness mm-hmm. is like requires going on some pretty like heavy fucking journeys and like giving people like the little slivers of things when you come back from that like sounds like a little bit of like madness and so you know like i'm also like cooped up with my midwestern folks that don't want to like hear my spiels about consciousness and makes them like nervous. And I just had a lot of things come all at the same time. You know, this hasn't been, there's like this inclination to like, not want to complain about anything. Cause, and everyone goes like all things considered pretty good right now. It's like one, very it's mid- a, very Midwestern, very, very, Midwestern. Uh, it's, a, it's a sliver of things considered. And two, there's plenty of shit to complain about. And this is like, you know, this is scary on a lot of levels. Oh yeah. I love what's going on right now from a personal standpoint in terms of what I've learned, how I can grow my business for the long run, all of these, 
you know, these stressors bring a lot of the problems to the surface and is allowing yeah. us the opportunity to address them and come up with creative solutions. Um, but I'm lying to myself if I don't have a, take a look at it and be like, I don't know if any of this shit's going to work. And my bank account is zero right now. Like I'm out of money. I had to tell all my staff that I'm out of money. So May 25th, I turned 40. I that week I had to tell my staff that I didn't have any money for June. I had just put the last three months on like credit cards and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got to dedicate like June and July to like trying to get some sort of aid, get some grants, whatever, reassess you do things. a lot of touring is a big part of your income. It's at least 90% of my income. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so, you know, and, uh, and then I had like, I was doing a weekly virtual, I was putting together a weekly virtual show every Sunday. It was just like me chatting with scientists that would allow people to like, um, pay to like come in and ask scientists their own questions and everything and participate in the discussion. And I was getting guff from doing like, I did a couple psychedelic shows and mm -hmm. like the psychedelic community is like, everything should be free. And if you're charging money for things, you're the devil cause money's the root of all that's evil. Mm -hmm. And like having to deal with that. So I was like, yeah, you know what? No more psychedelic stuff. Okay. Um, done. Uh, and like, I'm done with dealing with that. And then when, when all of the, um, stuff with George Floyd happened, like it happened two and a half hours away. So the same week I turned 40, I laid off my staff, a tough pill to swallow. Like I love yeah. the people that work for me and I feel like a sense of responsibility. Like my, my, everyone else is like an independent contractor. My, my assistant's entire income is dependent on me. And, and like, I love her. Like we have a long relationship and, and, and like, there's a lots of trust there. And so that was hard. And then, um, the Floyd stuff happened and it's like, these are issues that I, uh, that I care, um, a mm -hmm. lot about. And at the same time I have, uh, like I know people from my high school that are in Minneapolis that I've been tracking for 20 years. I've been watching every once in a while, like twice a year. I'm just like, I wonder how this guy is doing. Like the guy that was like, you know, everyone thought was going to be this school shooter or whatever. And they've oh, just God. slowly building up their militia and like posting about it on Facebook. That's the stuff they're comfortable posting. And wow. like, and you know, like, I know people have been talking about like uh, race war and stuff like that. Like there's people that have been like, at least in terms of the way that they talk, like praying for this fucking moment, wow. wait, waiting for uh, like, a. and so I was like, you know, my first thought was like, someone's going to shoot up on these crowds. That's what, that's what I thought, you know, like, like the dude, I, I I don't mean to just like take things on the news as like this this highlight film as reality, but it you know like the person with the bazooka, like on, on the news going into a subway, like I didn't see that. Yeah, someone went into a subway sandwich with a fucking bazooka on there. It's an RPG. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and I was like, what do you think the chances are that that's that dude's like? only weapon 
Like, yeah. If you got a bazooka, that's like purchase number 1,000 in your arsenal. Yeah. And all that it takes is like one really well-armed fucking crazy person that like, uh, you know, isn't understanding the nuance of racial tensions is and is taking it upon themselves to like wage whatever fucking war. I was worried about that. And I was like manic and I had started getting like lots of synchronicities again. So synchronicities, you mean like you're seeing stuff that's like sort of lining up with your thoughts? Yeah, like um, like like say um, um, uh, it's it's like uh, you know how like like a harbinger of sorts almost. Yeah, like, you know how like kids say the darndest thing, thing where like a kid a kid says a kid says something and mm-hmm. they it means something to them. The reason why they said it is different than like how it means to it. Like there's this actual like wisdom within what they said but they don't understand like that or or in the way like a Pixar film will have a joke that like works well on one level to a kid but also adults understand right. it on this different level. So there's all these meaning. of things. Yeah. And so like, just like understanding things on like an evolutionary level of like, when someone says something like, where is that actually coming from? Like the God mm-hmm. bless you idea. Like, I just like hear that in the things that people say sometimes. I'm just like, Oh, that's that bias coming out. And this is like, that's what's driving that. And so, I just started like years ago when I first went in a psych ward, I felt I was starting to pick up on something that our subconscious picks up on um, that consciously we aren't aware of. And it was ideas. And when it went like really crazy, it was about how time works and how we're perceiving time in this like nonlinear fashion. Um, uh, You know, the way physicists talk about it. And I started um, and way back way back then i had this idea that like whether things are moving forward or backwards it's just your conscious perception of it and things can be paused and moved around at any time and i thought that things were like coming back through t- <laughs> i i had thought that it, like this is this was after when i was shooting my documentary about psychedelics and my ideas were getting like pretty far out there the mm-hmm. way that i was ex- kind of rationalizing what was happening to me, which seemed like every time I stepped outside, the world had changed. Like I was in a parallel universe or it seemed like a dream state. And I thought what must happen is that, you know, because we have this digital content um, and like technology is advancing so much um, that eventually what happens is, is that once something is complex enough, you know, much in the way that we look through history to understand ourselves. Oh no, it stopped. You want me to come come out again? This is, this is the bane of my goddamn existence. Roger, you're a lot clear here also. This is, Zoom is being weird. Do you, do you use an ethernet cable? No, but I have, we have really, really strong Wi-Fi. I mean, I have like, I'm sitting right by the- The slowest ethernet is, um, is Better. more stable than the fastest Wi-Fi, FYI. Well, I did buy a cable. I just haven't decided to go underneath the house just yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, just, is that what you run, need to do? Well, because I want to run. I don't want to have a fucking like college apartment where I got a fucking cable running yeah, around. Yeah, so yeah, I want to yeah. have it go under and uh, up, yeah. drill a hole in the floor, you know? Yeah, yeah. So 
you were about to say something so great. You're about to say, yeah. So parallel universes, you step outside. Yeah. So, so the idea that I put, uh, that I came up with, and this is all all a really long story, but the idea that I came up with is that, you know, like as we define more accurately how history works, we, we do more and more to like figure out like causation, like this led to this led to this. Well, as we're now able to catalog everything and we're putting everything out there digitally and we're recording every potentially some future thing like AI or whatever would be able to just go through and figure out like, oh, you know, like when Einstein came up with E equals MC squared, Mm -hmm. here's the book that he was reading at the time. And here's in that book, uh, like the person that wrote that book, here's what they were thinking of. Um, when they wrote this section that inspired Einstein to do this, to do that. So like all of these like butterfly effects. Of, yeah. And I was just like, there must be, cause I'm like interviewing scientists. And stuff, there must be like once in a while, there must've just been like something said at some point that like influenced a future thing that did this or that. And that's why, and like something's being sent back through time to like mess with this. And this is like in this simulation, I had this idea. I didn't think that much of it. This is the like, first. This is this is years ago. Yes, and then I yeah. it eventually I I ended up in a psych ward because of these ideas, and and uh, I was like medicated. I was like kind of forced to take medication. It put the fire out, so I never got to like finish my thoughts on it. And so every right. time I've gone manic since, I've picked up where that leaves off. Right at the time, I had I don't even remember what it was exactly, but I and I I told a, a few people it was it was about how. I was like, well, a metaphor for it is like if you watch um, Christopher Nolan's movies like in reverse, if you start if you go if you start with um, Interstellar um, mm-hmm. and like at the end they're passing the messages back through the quantum world to influence the future. That's how how it works. And then Inception is about our inner mind um, changing um, our outside world, and that's how. Right our inner worlds are interacting with time. And then, and then there's some, then like mementos, like uh, how, how framing something, it it was a lot of how, you know, if you took a picture of like me waving my hand here, say you took like five pictures of me waving my hand. Right. And you ask someone to put them in order. um, They'd be able to put them in order, but they wouldn't be able to tell which one was first or which one was last they wouldn't know the direction of time right and and so it was all about how things get time stamped through time and and i was like christopher nolan's next movie is going to be about this and how you can perceive things because that's just like where his mind is going and then i forgot all about that this is a few years ago and then like mid May Dunkirk too. He made Dunkirk. So yeah. And then he made Dunkirk was like, which was like about history. Um, yeah. And then, and I had some ideas about that too, that I don't remember, but then, and this was, at, this was, I went crazy right when Dunkirk was coming out. That's okay. like part of why I was obsessed with Christopher Nolan at the time, I think. Anyhow. Um, and then mid May, I was like, I'd been hypomanic in quarantine for like three months, which what is hypomanic? Cause man, it's isn't... a fucking dream. It's just wow. like lots of energy. You don't need to sleep that much. Um, you can sleep like, you know, 
three quarters as much as usual. Um, You are hyper creative, really good at problem solving, like really impressive ideas, uh, like functioning at super high levels. Um, And I've been that way, like through most of quarantine, but the uh, like alcohol stops you from going full manic because it's a depressant. Yeah. When used chronically, alcohol is an upper while you're drinking it as a woo. And then like when it wears off, it flips and becomes a depressant because of these mechanisms. So like everything goes great with alcohol until you stop drinking it. Um, And but but anyway, I had uh, so so mid-May. I was like, oh, Christopher Nolan's new movie's coming out. And I click it and it's all about people traveling back in time to like. What, what movie was that? I don't even know. It hasn't come out yet. Oh, it, okay. Got it. it. It's, I forget the name of it. And, um, and, and then it's all about like perceiving things in reverse. Like uh, instead of, instead of like shooting a bullet out of a gun, you're actually catching the bullet with the gun. Wow. And that was like all of the ideas that I was having back mm-hmm. then like i was obsessed with like but look at it in reverse like someone jumping out of a pool instead of diving into it like i was just obsessed with seeing everything that way and um so this was confirmation of that this was confirmation bias bullshit but it just opened me up to those ideas again and then a week later turned 40 um every uh i quit drinking started exercising a bunch and so things just started ramping my energy levels just started ramping up my thoughts were becoming too fast um the the floyd thing happened the last time it was attached to the first thing it was uh um trump and kim john were going at each other with the nuclear apocalypse stuff back in 2017 i should tell listeners that we talk about this in depth on an old podcast you you people should listen to that because it's really good so you you explained it in depth all what you were thinking it was fucking crazy cool yeah and so it was like how are it was like a way of tapping into this like universal consciousness stuff uh, which i don't normally believe in but I was just like feeling like our consciousness taps into these like micro expressions and nuances in culture. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. So anyhow, and then, and then the one, the one like business idea I did have also Mm -hmm. was no longer viable once the civil rights thing started too. I think I missed a bunch of what you said. You were saying how uh, you don't believe in the collective consciousness stuff. Usually I don't like buy into it as much. But, but under the when I'm manic, I do feel like I'm tapping into like something like understanding cultural patterns or something. Synchronicities or, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so that was happening. So that was happening. And uh, I think you're about, you probably were about to say something about <clears throat> George Floyd's death because you've said. Yeah. And so oh. and, and so then like as I'm having I'm talking with friends that are like like people, some people fleed Minneapolis for a minute right. too during, during everything because they're like on the street where the shit was going down and had kids and whatnot. Right. And, um, and, and then I'm like, yeah, anyway. And I was also like, I was really taking issue with a lot of conspiracy theory. And then I have like, I have these old like conspiracy theorist friends that I've like just separated myself from, but I feel guilty about it. Like people that helped me out and were like good friends, like a really long time ago, but it just ended up being like 
shape-shifting lizard people like jew like it all ends up being like david duke like white supremacy stuff like like, at the end of it what's his name david ike shit too yeah yeah and it's like at a certain point it's just like well i know where this is going yes there's corruption yes i care about corruption but anyway i started taking on like empathizing with like you know like flat earthers or whatever, just like trying to take on that perspective, trying to, and I just completely started like losing sense of what was real. And I Mm -hmm. just started feeling like I was in a dream and I started having panic attacks. Anxiety was a big thing in the first one. I thought I was having a heart attack. I became convinced that something like something outside of me was trying to kill me. And there's like nothing that I could do about it. And then I just like decided Like anytime I'm scared of something, I just like confront it. And so I confronted, basically, I confronted my fear of like financial ruin, fear of being homeless, fear of like authority and a psych ward, it all and like my parents thinking I'm crazy and everything else, all in like the same day and and reality. And so I basically just kind of like, started acting crazy and like trying to explain myself but not being hurt and and until eventually like my parents called the authorities and i gotta skip over a few things here just because i'm not sure where like legally i confronted the authorities this is good this is good very good and I had, I mean, I had, I had my own little protest of sorts. And, wow. And, wow. And, and that led to me being strapped into a hospital um, gurney. I was basically like, I was kind of thinking like how I haven't been arrested ever. Like I drive around uh-huh. with drugs in my car all the time. I get pulled over all the time. like a quick Google search shows that I have a documentary. Like you can see me on camera doing illegal drugs. I'm often doing a show promoting illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. Like it it wouldn't take much to be like, maybe we should search this guy's car. And I was just like, how come I've never been like all, all the fucking black people and whatnot that get pulled over for nothing. And, and like, and shit that happens to like George Floyd and whatnot. And then like, I get away with Scott. And then I was just like, maybe I can't go to jail. Like, maybe I can't. I started thinking like, like death was like, I started feeling like I was having heart attacks. Mm-hmm. And so I started fearing death. And I was like, what if there is no death? What if that's an illusion? What if there is something after this? What if I'm not scared of jail? What? And, and I started at first, I was like gonna turn myself into the police. That was one of the ideas that I turn had. Turn yourself into police for what? Just for drugs? Okay. Uh, just like take all my psychedelics and be like, here, I want to go. That was one of the weird ideas that I had, <laughs> like protest things. I don't know. It, like there was lots of ideas coming in. Yeah. Hot and heavy, and I was trying to just calm myself down and like don't act on any of this stuff and wow. just breathe. I talked to you around that time when I was yeah. like, I'm going to take some time off of social media. Like I'm yeah. not handling it well. But then that was at the same time, everyone was like, your white silence equals white violence. I'm like, God, yeah. Damn. Well, now I can't even, I can't even a- not post on social media. That sounds Pretty like heavy. bullshit that like, 
Instagram came up with. To fuck. Oh my god, my hairs on my neck just stood up, man. <laughs> I'm not kidding because I didn't even put that together. I didn't even think. I'm such a. I have so no, much. My no, conspiracies I'm, for social media are so huge. But I never thought, like, wait a second. No, Doesn't I'm not a good would... steward of the earth if I don't post a bunch on social media and <sighs> retweet fucking things and hashtag things. Like, Oof. come on now. Like, <laughs> I think yeah. I think you'd be better off reading books about this shit if you wanted to educate yourself than yeah. you would be on Instagram, to be honest. And that's not to like, I think there's lots of benefits to using social media, but they weren't benefiting me at the time. Right. And but then I was feeling pressure to. And yeah. like, and it's just like so many conflicting ideas and I just fucking lost sense of things. So anyhow. Let's just skip to like maybe another day. I'll show you. I'll tell you all this. Like really what went down with me and the cops is like pretty hilarious. Like I was just being oh like, my God. I was just being a smart ass basically, but I was fucking crazy. And um, I mean, they had a time of it. They I mean, it was like like I'm I'm sure I'm sure they were like everyone was pretty jealous that those guys got the call. Like, you know. Oh, you I'm wouldn't sure believe that. this guy. Was <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So this guy's everyone coming at us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm Let sure I... tell you about this guy. Uh, I'm saw. sure I made their night. But my poor parents that had to fucking witness yeah. all this, it's still like, it's a touchy subject around here. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but um, you know, and so then they eventually like strapped, like went to a hospital and like all my limbs are strapped to a chair and like all these people are coming in trying to like give me things and stuff and just like wearing me down. And I'm like feeling like I'm tapping into this thing and like all this was a setup and like it was supposed wow. to happen this way. I had this crazy dream right before all this happened that like every time that I like was supposed to die in life like i actually died but just like was on some parallel like ex uh, universe or something like mm -hmm. that where where i continued to live and like it was it was fucking weird man and so it just it was like a lot like a dream state and then whatever they did they just like sedated me and i guess like had me fill out of uh, like sign my name on something and then i just woke up like a day and a half later in a hospital bed to like them shaking me awake, trying to get me to sign some other thing and take, take pills. And I was like, Nope. Uh, like I, all that, I was like very drugged up still like this, is like 36 hours later, I've Damn. done, I've done a lot of fucking drugs. In my, and I was like pretty fucked up like 36 hours later. And, and like, I was just like, get the fuck away from me. And like, I'm in this room. I don't know, you know, there's like security person, a doctor there. And then I eventually I got like a little more sleep. I came to. And so I'm now on like day three of uh, don't not remember, you know, being sedated for like the first two, basically. And I'm in a psych ward and then started talking with the doctors and everything and figuring out stuff from there. And so the first time I was in a psych ward, scariest thing I ever went to this time, it started, that was horrifying the way it started. And it was scary in the beginning too. Yeah. And then I just like really like breathed in. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to take the meds. Like there's nothing that you could do to take, get me to take. 
What kind of medicine wants you to take? Some saltpeter or what is it? Um, like a Haldol. Haldol? I know. I thought you were just making up words. No, Haldol is an antipsychotic. It's like what it's like basically zombifies people. So oh they yeah, like yeah. People who are going insane. So I've had like olanzapine before, and okay. like there's these mood stabilizers and lithium and stuff like that. And like, and and the thing is, is that does like put out the fire, but then yeah. like getting out off that stuff is like well that's three months of depression and though yeah. they they don't give a fuck about your three months of depression no they, 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 they care about you like ranting incoherently yeah. like that's the issue this person seems a little too happy talking about time travel way too much <laughs> we need to stop that three months okay of fucking, 13 monkeys okay uh, let's get this <laughs> yeah but three months of depression where you can't work no one gives a shit about that you know yeah that's just like another pill they can give you and so so i'm like no i'm just gonna get through this on my own and i was like chatting with and i had great conversations with the staff you know with the with the people in there and it is amazing how those how those psych wards fucking work they do things just to fucking test you and just to like break you so that because giving a pill is like the safest thing you can do there's these fun studies of like um of um cognitive uh um um uh, like decision fatigue or, or ego fatigue which is basically like mm-hmm. hu- humans are like the best i've heard it, you know how a cheetah can like um sprint faster than any mammal on earth it's like a superpower but can do that for like a little bit of time and then it yeah. collapses afterwards right. and it's exhausted and we're kind of like that with our ability to um like delay gratification and um and and like make decisions that have like this prefrontal cortex to be able to like inhibit our like more primitive reflexes we right. can do that like nothing else on the planet but it wears down really quickly mm-hmm. and so there's these like uh when granting parole to someone um they did these studies like why are some people getting parole and others aren't and then they have like these similar cases and what they figured out was that granting someone parole takes a lot more cognitive effort than just stamping denial on the paperwork because not only is there more paperwork involved in like giving them parole but there's more liability if they go out and reoffend yeah and so it's a safer bet to just deny someone parole and so right. you know as a parole officer you're trying to do everything that you can to empty jail like on paper your job is to like try to empty jail try to give people a path forward in life but cognitively it's just easier so they actually tracked they just tracked people through the day and they found out that you're most likely to get parole at the start of the day and after lunch because that's when people have the most cognitive um willpower and yeah and space and capacity to do that and if you're at the end of the day, sorry, you're getting denied. It doesn't because it's like you're just exhausted. So you're like, oh, I can't think of I can't think about the outcome of this decision. I'm just yeah. gonna make the easy choice, which is saying no. And the easy choice in a psych ward is if you can get someone on a pill that they're going to take every day, then they are managed. 
Yeah, they're mad. We can check the box. You no longer have that liability. You have that like. It's not a loose uh, end. You know, we're not worried about this person like, uh, hey, this person could have been exceptional and now they're going to be like, meh, you know. That's not that's not something anyone's terribly concerned about. Right. Well, we just we just don't want them like causing an issue, and and um and so one if you give someone a pill and it like manages things and makes them even like great, and then if they do do something, you can be like, well, I guess we gave them the wrong pill, or were they taking it? Did they go off of it? Did they? Mm-hmm. We said noon every day. Did they do it at two p.m.? That's probably what the issue was, yeah. and and so, and so I feel like they're just kind of set up to like break, you know, under stress. The weak parts of the system come to the surface, whether it's paranoia or depression or anxiety or whatever, and then you as a doctor can go like, ooh, anxiety. That's right now a very easy thing to pinpoint because the system's been stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we have a thing for that. Um, and and so it was interesting, like the better I did, the more there was like things in place to like, hey, this guy's doing well. Here's the book that we're, he's reading. Let's take that away. Like, <laughs> like just wow. shit like that, man. And uh, it was interesting there. So like a a simple example, just so I don't sound too paranoid of just like, so you go in, you're probably either schizophrenic or manic. If you're, if you're in a psych ward, um, those are the same things. I thought bipolar is schizophrenia and that manic is a state and, and, uh, bipolar disorder, like manic's a part of that. Like you're either manic or you would, you would think that I would know more about this stuff than I do. Okay. I'm okay and do it more. I guess I just like, yeah, anyway, but, but regardless, like most people are deeply paranoid and, yeah. and it's, it's an experience. It's like, it's like tripping. And, um, and, you know, I was able to like draw on a lot of my experience with having guided people through a lot of trips and like, you know, I, I sometimes help facilitate psilocybin retreats in jamaica mm-hmm. and stuff and and i i've tripped with a lot of people where I, I i tend to just be the more the person that people go to when mm-hmm. they want advice or whatever and so from that there's just like some simple processes that you know like you go in you're paranoid and then you're in a place where there's cameras everywhere and there's people like taking notes some of them are actually about you and mm-hmm. monitoring you and whatnot. There's room, there's cameras in your room. And then someone comes in 15, every 15 minutes, 24 hours a day to open your door, to check in on you. So like if your parent, even if you forget for a second that there's cameras on you, every 15 minutes, someone comes in. And so there's a reminder, you go outside, there's people there's people watching you and then, you know, behind that and you see them coming in and out, there's people like behind that, like monitoring the cameras and everything else. And then, um, and then, you know, and then there's spotlight effect of thinking people are watching you more than they actually are and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then everyone else in there is as paranoid as you are. And so they don't know if like you're the undercover or whatever. 
So anyhow, no one, no one, before you go into a site, before a trip, like I always sit down people and tell people like, you know, some of the things that might come up and how to like manage that before a psych ward, they don't, they don't go like, Hey, you're going to go into the space right now. You know, like this is a scary thing for people and it's very natural to like feel paranoid. And I'm not even telling you not to be paranoid. It's just like, when you go in there, there's also going to be some triggering things. You're going to be surrounded by cameras. Um, you they don't know, say any of this stuff. They don't tell they, you. They don't tell you any of this stuff ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, you know, everyone, there's all these like color coatings on doors and stuff because the staff is like, changing frequently and and patients are coming in and out of there and it's mm -hmm. a lot to manage and so there's like organizational things that they have like different colors and stuff on different people's doors so that the administrators and nurses everything else they're all on the same page and they could be like oh that color for that person this means this and that so that they can on a glance manage everything but if you're a paranoid person what those like you notice those things first and then you go like, Hey, why does that person have orange on their door? I have blue yeah. on my door. Like, why is that? So like, they don't tell you like, Hey, you know, there's a lot of ways in which we organize the system for your protection, for our protection to monitor things. You know, you know you're more than welcome to give yeah. them, ask us any questions. We can tell you why we have these systems in place. When you first go in, it often seems like a puzzle that you need to figure out. There isn't a puzzle to get out of here. <laughs> the puzzle is like talking with your therapist and and it's a cooperative thing where right. you both agree upon a plan um to to getting out. That's that's how that's how this works. The other things are to make the staff better facilitate that. And right. so if you have questions, we can tell you why there's like different colored stickers on like power outlets and different things like that. So feel free to ask us. And it's better to just like bring that to our attention than wonder about it and, and like ask the you other found this all out. You found this all out the hard way because it's just stuff like we're thinking about just through thinking about it and figuring it out on my own and having a past right. experience and seeing like what other, you know, knowing a lot about cognitive biases and then seeing other people more paranoid than me or seeing like, you know, you go in and you're having these thoughts that like you've never heard expressed before, but it's just the right. sort of thoughts that you have when your consciousness gets to this like manic level. It's this, it's like pretty common thoughts to have of like, feeling like your own inner world is like holding you hostage of like, like there's a confessional. It's like using everything you've ever done wrong in your life against you yeah. to scare you. Because once your inner world gets your attention, just like Facebook, just like social media, it uses everything at, at its disposal to keep your attention. Like yeah. what fears, what disgust, what gross things, what like sexual things, like anything it can do to keep you in there your own inner world that's like, whoa, the fucking head honchos like paying attention to us. What fucking crazy shit can we throw to keep the attention in here? Oh, so that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. it, but you were able to talk with all these people and not take this medicine because you were able to like basically, so I guess, I mean, how did you, 
on what grounds did they release you? I mean, I just like how does that work. Like I was just able to kind of know how all of this stuff works. And so like when I so when I'm talking with therapists, I'm just like having like these philosophical conversations with them about how like we could better handle like these things that I'm expressing. These are like, do you want some notes of how to like do this like better? Like first, if I was guiding people, like when people come to a psilocybin retreat, like first off, you would never have people in charge that haven't been through this before. Yeah. Like this is not constructed by someone who has like had manic episodes or been schizophrenic and lived to tell the tale and managed what, it. What do they think about that when you're telling them how to do their job? We, uh, I mean, they eventually got annoyed and just had me leave. Eventually oh, so, like, they, so you, you fucking uh, wore them down? They're like, get him out of here. Yeah, eventually. Wow. Yeah, it That's was really, cool. it was, it was also like, you mind your own bit and, and then like i That's because funny. i was and then there's like this also you know how like when you're really trying to like get a girl or get a job or get a part in a movie or what whatever it might be you know so much of life is like this of like once you are like disinterested or playing hard to get her or whatever mm -hmm. like that's that's when i have but you can't just fake it like yeah you can't be like ah whatever like i'm not even gonna look at this girl like you have to really fucking feel it you yeah. have to like actually mean it it needs to be convincing and that's how the psych ward is too like once you're comfortable enough to be like yeah well whatever i could stay I here see. for another week that's when they're like okay you have passed the test that's interesting that's really interesting <laughs> well, i'm glad you're out shane yeah me too and, and uh, it was a good experience and it was a wonderful home, yeah. it was a wonderful 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 experience and and one of the best things that came of it um for me is like you know i'm i'm lucky because i'm a comic and i'm a so it's like you know neat neat story it sounds kind of crazy and everything but also like i love talking about psychology and mental health and so like i i have like a great outlet for all of this yeah. stuff and like I can put shows together and stuff like that. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that don't get some fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people's trip to the psych ward isn't a big career booster for them, you exactly. know? And so they they they're probably gonna have a harder time reframing things. But for me, you know, like I confronting that fear, one of the things that made made me realize was that like I actually can use these spaces as a resource. Yeah. So the next time that I'm having a manic episode, I can have a check in and be like, hey, maybe I need to maybe I need to go and do the no phone, no computer, have a psych yeah. ward, feed me like good food and talk with therapists a little more hands on and have people like watch me for a week and not not do fucking meds, but just like have and some downtime. Yeah. Not and, get strapped into a gurney and, and drop been pulled in there you can you can drop yourself off yeah, yeah 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 so so that's like a part of my plan for the it's also like now i have a whole process in place of like here's here's the here's the triggers that we're looking for um yeah. and like when this happens here's who you should call like i'm i'm very fortunate to have like friends that are therapists and people that know me really well and and i have a lot of 
a lot of resources and whatnot. So uh, in terms of networks of people that I know. And so I'm uh, I'm pretty well positioned to be crazy. And um, that's a great description. (laughs) Yeah. Well positioned to be crazy. Uh, yeah. So, um, so you know, like, and, and, and sometimes it's not just about, like, anxiety. Sometimes I just, like, need the freedom to allow my own mind to, like, go to the far reaches of, like, mm-hmm. what is reality and what isn't. And, like, know that I have, like, a network and, like, a tether and some people that can, like, pull me back in. Um, you know, because it's part of the journey that I'm on and it's part of what gives me a lot of value in life. And it's like, I mean, if it's not this, I need to like go and jump off shit that's too high and break my feet again. You know, like I just have like that thing in me that I just like need to push things a little bit. So finding out like ways of doing that in a more responsible way, barefoot hiking and, (laughs) and having like, uh, you know, people around me looking for clues for when my ideas are getting a little too far fetched um, to like real me in and, and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, man, it was, I feel like a fucking new man. It was, it was like one of the best things that's happened to me. And I hope that I can use my experience to like better help. You know, I would love to have like, I want to reach out to the people like directors of the, you know, people involved in the psych. If I can like mm-hmm. get a whole, I, I probably can't get one of the doctors in there on my podcast. I imagine that's you like can... probably against, but I can get other people that do similar things yeah. on. And I would love to be able to like share that experience more. So people can have it because if, for any listeners that think like some of this stuff sounds like kind of crazy or like I'm making it up or whatever. God, uh, my my inbox is just filled constantly with people people with like stories like this all all the time, all over the place. So So, like this is this is going to be this is going to be an important time to be addressing mental health for people. Yeah, man, for real. It's like the it's such a big thing right now. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to tell us all this stuff. It's great. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate you having me back on jmoss.com yeah, yeah that's check the that main out. source that's the fountainhead yeah that's the fountainhead oh, i do I, yeah i've been uh i've been making my podcast video and then i had to get a video but but i right now have enough in the bank to do three episodes a week for the next uh two months i put a, a pause on things with uh um the um with the civil rights stuff going on because i want to mm-hmm. um i just yeah. need to pause everything but, um, and then I have, uh, yeah, was, I did this cute web series called quarantine couple that has like a hundred views per episode on YouTube, but I, it's my first ever time acting and I've been loving doing it. And I've cool, just man. been doing like some fun stuff like that during this and ma- making the most of it. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Shane. Yeah. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye.